Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Hannah Huseman joins us this week on Mox on the Mic. You may remember her as Hannah Thurley when she played basketball and softball for UTC. She's now the mental skills and performance coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, so we'll Talk about her career in Major League Baseball and how she's helping guys get to and stay at the big league level. Box on the Bike is available wherever you download your podcast from. Make sure you subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you rate and review Box on the Mike. Here's our conversation with Anna Huseman. So you played softball and basketball uh, at UTC. Did you have a favorite sport growing up? Now, that is a tough question to start the podcast off with. Um, no, I grew up playing basketball and softball, so it was kind of a tie um, for first my whole life. I would say, naturally, I was better at softball. Um, so I guess if one had to come before the other, I'd probably have to say softball. This is a hard-hitting podcast, Hannah. I mean, <laughs> we ask the, the deep probing questions. Um, when did the idea of sports psychology become something that you knew you wanted to pursue? So my undergrad at UTC was in exercise science, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do during my whole undergrad. I, I knew I wanted to stay in sports somehow, some way, whether it was like a coaching capacity. I thought I was going to be a strength and conditioning coach for a long time. Um, and I loved it, obviously, but nothing was just like, yes, that's it. And, and I was really looking for that aha moment. And I actually took a class my senior year um, with Dr. Howard Baptiste and it was an elective class and it was an intro to sports psych kind of 101 class. And I was like, this was my senior year. So we were, you know, almost out of playing softball and, and moving on to life. And I was like, what is sports psychology? Why have I never heard of this? And why aren't we getting this? And uh, like ever since then, I was like, I want to know everything I can know about this and learn about this. And I want to help as many athletes and and performers as I possibly can. So it was my senior year elective class. So in a nutshell, what is sports psychology? Um, so that's a loaded question, um, but it's basically, so there's, there's kind of two definitions, right? There's the mental performance definition of it, and then there's the mental health definition of it. So technically I'm a mental skills coach and my master's is in sports psychology and motor behavior which the way I describe that is a really fancy way of how the mind and the body work together to produce optimal performance. So um, my like definition of sports psychology is I get to go help athletes on all things mental that has to do with their performance. So confidence, concentration, focus, resiliency, motivation, um, like all of that. And even, even down to enjoyment, right. Knowing how to enjoy more is part of sports psychology, but then the other, the mental health side of it, right. Is it actually dips a little bit more into the psychology aspect of it. And it's where there's clinical anxiety, clinical depression, eating disorders, and that kind of can fall under the same category too. Um, but I'm more on the mental performance side of things versus the mental health side of things, but they're kind of all under the umbrella of sports psychology, but it's basically how to help athletes and all different mental capacities um, perform to the best of their abilities, whether it's on the field or off the field. You have been in Major League Baseball. You are currently the mental skills and performance coach for the Phillies. We'll get to that in a minute, but you hit on something a moment ago that I wanted to ask you about. Have you had situations where you've dealt with a professional athlete who says, this isn't fun. I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> for sure. 
probably more than anybody would like to admit or anybody knows, but for sure, you know, and, and it becomes, it becomes a job just like sometimes in college when the sport that you've loved and had so much fun your whole life, all of a sudden, like you have to perform well, right? That's how you keep your scholarship. That's how you keep getting paid in professional sports. Right. And, and so it, it absolutely can suck the fun element out of it. And the, the hard part for that on the mental aspect of the game is, when you enjoy what you're doing and when you're having fun, you're performing better. And so when that gets lost and that element is, is soaked underneath stress and pressure to perform and anxiety and all of that, all of a sudden you're not performing well. And the reality of it is we have to have more fun and we have to enjoy it. And so I'm constantly trying to find ways for players and performers to enjoy it more and, and to just find ways to have fun because that's if you ask anybody when they play their best, they're usually having a freaking blast. And so it's like, how do we, how do we produce that even when we're not playing our best, when we're at our worst, when we're in slumps, when we're in whatever it is, how can we still manage to find that? So yeah, it's, it's pretty common actually. The idea behind what makes people tick is, is pretty interesting anyway. It's a whole nother level. Um, You know, just, just watching the Michael Jordan documentary uh, the other month. I mean, just, for a professional athlete or an athlete that performs at a high level, when you start to get into what makes them tick, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother dimension, right? I mean, it has to be. Yeah. And, and the best part of that is everyone's different. So that's, there's no cookie cutter approach to mental skills. There's no, Hey, do this and you're going to be confident because it's different for everybody. And so that's what makes it incredibly challenging. And, and the fun part of my job is trying to figure out, okay, this worked well for you in the past. Does it still work for you? Should we try something totally different? It worked for this guy. Do you think it's going to work for you? And so really trying to experiment with how you view the world, how you've been raised, how you view it right now and how you view performance. And, and even you outside of performance could be different than who you are when you perform. And so it's almost like dealing with two different people sometimes. So yeah, that's, that's the fun part in, in trying to stay creative and figure out ways to help them from whatever works best for them. Mental skills and performance coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. So how much do you get, hey, this guy's in a slump. Can you get him out of it? Um, not probably not as often as you would think. Um, we we try really, really hard to be proactive about our approaches instead of reactive, just because although those cases happen and it's like this guy's really struggling right now, like go talk to him, um, or he needs to talk to you, then it's it's like if we already built that relationship and we're having those ongoing conversations, that kind of already happens naturally and, and nothing's really a total surprise. Um, so we try to take out the element of surprise, but every now and then it happens, but probably not as much as people would think. Hannah, I'm a Braves fan. Oof. If Bryce Harper falls into some horrible slump, <laughs> I am okay if you can't help him. No, uh, of course you're <laughs> brave. I know. All on my Twitter feed is all my Chattanooga people, and they're like, Braves is on the TV. And I'm like, I want to reply, like, go Phillies to every one of them. (laughs) So let me ask you, um, look, everybody that we have talked to, I mean, literally, we started doing this podcast, and I mean, we're like, I don't know, four or five episodes in, and a pandemic hits that none of us have ever had to deal with before. What effects have you seen on athletes from the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, a lot, right? Everybody's world got rocked, like absolutely rocked. And I I think the hardest part is no one really knows how to handle it. So you talking about like, you know, 
there's not one approach to being confident. There's not one way to get through a pandemic. And so it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of figuring out, okay, go outside for five minutes today. It's, it's a ton of talking about what you can control versus what you can't control. Like so much of our worlds are outside of our control right now that there's only like three things we can control on a daily basis. Like what time we wake up, how much effort we put into our workout and you know, how much time we spend on TV and uh, Facebook and Instagram and social media and all that. And so it's, it's really trying to break it down into what you can control versus what you can't. But I mean, and some people are like, great, and I'm okay. And it's kind of nice to be at home and not feel any pressure. And other people are like, this is like, I'm going crazy. Like, this is really, really, really challenging on me. So it's, it's a long, it's a, it's a large spectrum um, from, from everyone on it. But it's, it's really, it's really hard because we don't, there's not a book on how to do this and how to help people through a pandemic. And so it's a lot of just support. It's a lot of social conversations from afar. Like, let's just stay in touch. Human contact is a huge piece of what we're doing. It's not necessarily like shoving mental skills down people's throats right now. It's more just checking in and how are you doing and overall well-being and how can I support you and, and such. So it's a lot of that right now. A lot of maintaining well-being right now. Did, did you feel like your role with the Phillies, did you feel like it increased when all of this stuff started and spring training was shut down and everybody was sent home? Did you feel like, like there was more suddenly on you now to kind of help guide and, and direct? A little bit. Um, it, it's funny because people are like, how's your off season? And I'm like, uh... Not an off season, um, but it's okay. Um, no, I think it, relatively speaking, it's pretty comparable to what I would be doing in season just because we're trying to meet and talk with guys, whether we're on the road or seeing them at an affiliate. And, you know, I'm traveling usually 25 to 28 days a month during season to all the, the different minor league affiliates. So I'm, I'm either on the phone or I'm in, in person face to face with someone on a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I'm still having those constantly. I'm on Zoom calls and phone calls every day, all day. So the workload is kind of the same as if I was in season. Um, but there's a couple areas that like I never would have thought we would be doing that I'm doing now. And and again, not just teaching mental skills, but overall, like how is everyone doing and really making sure that everyone's doing okay. And if they're not, like, are we doing everything we can to support them? And that does kind of fall on us. And now more than ever, people aren't doing okay. Like, and, and things are like, people are having more bad days now than they would during season probably. And so it's a lot of just making sure we're checking up on everybody and really keeping tabs on everybody. So it's kind of the same workload, but a few more things have been added in there for sure. Favorite minor league city to visit. Oh my goodness. That's a tough question. Um, Chattanooga. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I actually, I love, I've, I've started to really like going to Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool. And our, um, our stadium there is really historical and, and just really cool to go there. So I kind of like going there, but it's, it's tough. Some of these minor league towns are in the middle of nowhere. So, but it's fun and it's really cool. And I love traveling. So it's, it's been an adventure for sure. How much of what you do is one-on-one? -on -one? How much of it is in, in groups? Um, so I'd probably say 85% is one-on-one -on -one and 15% is in groups. So majority of my work is one-on-one -on -one conversations. Um, 
it just gives you the chance to go a little deeper, really personalize the mental skills program for them and, and really get to know the athlete on a deeper level and support them. Uh, but I do small groups too. I'll have two or three guys who are friends come up and like kind of talk and, and bounce ideas off of each other. And then we do group work. Um, sometimes it's by team, sometimes it's by position. Um, so the groups are anywhere from, like I said, three to upwards of 45, 50. Um, so it just kind of depends on, on the setting, but most of the time it's one-on-one conversations. Those are our priority for sure. Based off what you said earlier, um, you work more with aspects of life outside of baseball. Is that, is that fair to say? Um, mm, partially, partially right now. Yes. Um, just because there's not a whole lot of baseball going on, um, for minor leagues, especially, but, um, it's, it's, more performance-based and then what is going on outside of baseball that could be affecting your baseball performance. So even like, not like I'm not a relationship therapist or a counselor or anything like that, but like if they're having issues and they want to bring that up, then we, we talk about specifically how it could be impacting their game and how they can refocus or how they can reset or how they can separate outside life from on the field life. Um, we talk about that a lot and and being in the present moment. And, and so that is a big piece of it. Um, but I have to constantly say like, I'm not a therapist. I don't have a couch in my office. Um, it's, it's just a conversation and we're coaches. And that's what I have to say a lot is, you know, we are mental performance coaches, just like you have strength and conditioning coaches, just like you have um, hitting coaches, pitching coaches. We are mental skills coaches, which means we're coaches who solely focus on the mental side of the game, right. And how it impacts your physical sides of the game. So we're not therapists, we're not counselors, we're not psychologists, we're not psychiatrists or anything like that. So if they do bring up conversations outside of baseball, we bring it back to, okay, how is that impacting your performance right now? When it comes to free agent acquisitions, or even uh, when they, they may work out guys prior to the draft, are you involved in any of that? Um, so our department is, um, that doesn't fall under one of my, um, duties or my role, but our department is definitely involved in it. Um, and they take kind of assessments to give us a baseline, um, of, of who they are and their attentional style and stuff like that. But we're definitely involved. Um, but that's not one of my, um, roles, I guess, per se. You know, one of the things that I think we've seen really grow over the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years in baseball is I call it new math right? It's, it's all the sabermetrics in, in baseball that have, have worked in the, you know, what's his war, you know, what's his, um, you know, the, yeah, all those things now mean so much more. And I'm, I'm still the, you know, to me, I still think you should get all your stats off the back of a baseball card, but that's not the way that we do things now. Are, Are you guys able to create like a, like a baseline of where someone should be from a mental standpoint, um, does is, does that exist in your role? It's it's hard to say because so much of what we do with are intangibles, right? Like you you can't. How do you measure someone's confidence? How do you measure someone's motivation? Someone's grit? Someone's resiliency? So um, we have a couple like in house stuff that we've created that can give us a baseline of it. But you know, it's hard with assessments like that because it's solely based on what the players think and you know, you could go and put all tens and all of a sudden we're like, wow, this guy's really motivated, really confident, you know, and then all of a sudden we see differently. And so it's a lot of gauging and just 
by one-on-one -on -one conversations and, and really measuring each person and their successes based off of their personal experiences and what their process is. And, and if they're knocked off their rocker, okay, let's go back to when you weren't like, let's really dissect you and only you just because like, human factor is our whole job right it's like well you got to take into consideration human factor and i'm like human factor is is us we work with humans and humans are all different and so there's really not like like a, like a guarantee like even if they they do these pre um draft assessments and like we're like perfect this guy is great like that doesn't mean he's going to be a successful baseball player right or or even if we're like hey this isn't this isn't the direction we want to go in and we get him anyway that doesn't mean they won't be a successful baseball player and so i think that's what's so hard is is there's not a whole lot, like, there's not a whole lot you can really predict um, as far as the mind goes. Um, and I think, I think college kind of teaches me that or taught me that because it was like, you could be, you know, as driven as you wanted and hardworking as you wanted. And, and sometimes that doesn't pay off as much as we wish it would, you know, and, and same thing in baseball, like you're going to get the most motivated guys, but they may not be the most talented. And so it's, it's really hard trying to figure out, but there's no, there's no perfect combination because you look at the guys in the big leagues who have made it and they're all different types of human beings. There's quiet guys, there's loud guys, there's leaders, there's followers, there's, you know, I mean, from all end of the spectrum. And so it's, there's not one recipe for success. So I think it's us trying to figure out what's best for that individual player. Much like those new stats in baseball, what you do is kind of relatively new, I would think to sports how long has this been around? Yeah, so I'd say probably 40, 50 years in, in the realm of schemes, but now like really taking off um, in baseball. I mean, Harvey Dorfman and Ken Revisa were around probably 20 years ago. Um, but even when I got out of grad school in 2015, um, I went to get a job and there wasn't a ton of opportunities. There was maybe one mental skills coach at each team. Um, so even in the last five years, like um, I think every single mental, uh, every single team has a mental skills coach. And now most of them have more than one. So like we at the Phillies have four. Um, so it goes anywhere from one to, I think the most I've heard is like six or seven. And they have one at almost every affiliate, um, every minor league affiliate. So it's definitely growing and it's going to continue to grow. And, and it's kind of making its way out to other professional sports. But I definitely think as far as mental skills go, professional baseball is, is leading the way on, on buy-in and really trying to make it a part of the culture. What's the number one thing that you wish athletes knew about themselves? The number one thing I wish athletes knew about themselves is probably that you create your own confidence. Like you are your own source of confidence. Um, because I feel like uh, this definitely was me in college. I was always looking for other people to tell me I was good enough or other people to, to say nice things and to compliment me and to say I'm working hard. And if you didn't get that, like I was destroyed. And, and I wish I knew then now, like, or I wish I knew then what I just said. Right. And it's, it's to create your own confidence. Like if you want to be confident, you can be confident. You just have to create it and you have to be the source of it instead of looking for it from somebody else. Because especially in the heat of the moment, you're not going to find it when you need it most. Like the way you find it is by producing it yourself. So I think it's, it's that you can be as confident as you want and that you can create it. That's what, that's what I think I would want them to know about themselves. How much are you in Philly during the season? Um, like once every two months, I think, because I'm, I'm all over minor leagues too. So 
I'm in Pennsylvania a lot, um, but in Philly, I'm there about once every two months. The softball program, I, I know they try to see you when they make their trip down to the spring. You should, you really need to hire Frank Reed to handle your, uh, your public relations because he acts absolutely just beams with not only how proud he is of you and what you do, but the job that, that you are doing. Now, I think he may be a little bit swayed there by him getting to watch some spring training baseball while he's down there. But he is totally a huge fan of yours because uh, he and I have talked about it before. What did you take from your days playing softball at, at UTC? Yeah, I love Coach Reed. Um, and I, I think we're closer now than we were when I was playing, which is kind of even cooler um, to experience both sides of it, you know, playing for him and then afterwards. And and it's fun to get to go talk to the girls and kind of hear what they're experiencing and how that was similar to some of the things we experienced and, and just giving them some advice to get through it. Um, no, I think, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is like, and I've always been a hard worker, but I think it just like solidified, like if you want something like, like I played basketball my freshman year and then switched and went and played softball the rest of my time there. Like if you want something, like, and, and you're trying to figure it out, like, it's like, go for it and don't stop, like, until you get it. And, and, and no matter what, if people don't believe in you, if people aren't, you know, whatever, like kind of going back to the confidence thing, like, if you don't have any confidence, like, I think it taught me to have confidence, like that you can't, you can't do anything if you don't. And so it's like, I think that's why I'm, like where I am now in the real world is from everything softball taught me. I mean, like you name it, like discipline, time management, right? All of those adversity, overcoming adversity, resiliency, all of that. But I think the biggest piece is like, if you work hard in the real world, like it's going to pay off. Like you're going to get what, like you're going to get what you desire. And like, you're going to, if you keep working your tail off. And I think that's, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Like, even if not every goal I wanted to achieve happened, like, in softball, like still my senior year, we got a ring and like, we didn't get a ring the rest of the time I was there. And that was our whole motto. And we fought like heck to get that ring my senior year and we got it. And it's like, we still have reunions and we still talk about it. And our whole hashtag that year was chasing that ring. And like, that's something we still talk about and are still so, so proud of. And so I think it's when you really want something and you, and you set your mind to it, you can go get it. And, and I believe that every single day of my life and, and especially in the real world. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway, but I do love Bonnie Reed. You can tell him I called him Bonnie too. <laughs> At Hannah underscore Hughesman on Twitter. Um, she is a must follow. Uh, a lot of stuff from you on Twitter. I got, I want to know when's the book come out. It, it, there, there's gotta be a book working for you somewhere, right? I mean, I see these things you do on Twitter and those have to turn into books. Anna? Yeah, yeah, you're you're not the first person to request it. Um, it's definitely on my life list. Um, I have a couple books that I think I want to write, um, but th they're coming. I haven't started. I kind of, um, I've been told to like take notes and email them to yourself, and then when you when you're ready to start the book, you've got all this content. And so that's kind of the stages I'm in now. But no, I'm I'm so excited. I absolutely want to write a book and put it out there and. I'll probably have a couple, one maybe like female perspective in a man's world or something like that. And then another will be like mental skills and, and how to handle it. But no, I've got, I've got a couple ideas in mind, so it's coming. Maybe, maybe I should make it like a five-year goal or something. There's got to be a book in there too about being married to a football coach, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother, yep. that's a whole nother aspect to you. We haven't talked about. Yep. That's a big part of me. That's half of me for sure. 
how tough is that when you're gone as much as you're gone? And of course, uh, football obviously takes up a lot of time. Recruiting takes up a lot of time. How do you guys manage it? Yeah, it's hard. We're figuring out day by day. But hey, you know, when you can't make it work, just have a quarantine and then you get to spend four months together. So that's our strategy. Um, no, but we were laughing about that the other day. Like ever since, you know, we started dating um, my the last day or the first day of my senior year of college is when we officially started dating. And so like we were together kind of my last year of college. And then ever since I, I graduated, you know, I went to UT. I did internships all over the place. I moved to New York for a year and a half. Uh, lived in Florida once, lived in Florida again. And so we've kind of always done it. It's kind of all we know. And so like, we've never like been together and like we got married, had a three day honeymoon and I went straight back to Clearwater to work. Um, and so it's kind of always been like this. So we kind of like the last probably 120 days, seriously, like almost four months we've been together and like almost like rediscovered us as a couple, but it's been really fun. And it's hard. I mean, we talk a lot, we FaceTime a lot. Um, some, and, but it's so worth it. We we talk about this a lot too, you know, um, there's a couple of books I read and, and one of the biggest takeaways I've read, um, is that no matter what decision you make in life, it's, there's going to be a sucky part of it, um, to put it lightly. And so it kind of came down to that decision, right? It was like, do I take my dream job? Like, and, and I'm gone all the time, but, and like we sacrifice being together, but I'm ecstatic and doing what I love, or do I, you know, stay here and get a job that's, okay. Um, but we're together all the time. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be happy if I do that. And then it's not even going to be great quality time together. And so, you know, both decisions had a bad part to it, but we kind of chose the lesser of two evils and, and we make it work and I'm happy. I love my job and gosh knows he loves his job too. So we, um, we're happy and we make it work and, and that's all that matters right now. So, but it's not easy. Let me tell you, it's not easy. Hannah, thank you so much for giving us time. I really hope we get a chance to uh, to do this again. Yeah, of course. Call anytime. I love, I love being on podcasts, especially a mock podcast. For those that don't know, Hannah's husband is former Chattanooga quarterback and current mock's assistant coach, Jacob Huseman. Thanks to Hannah for giving us some time. Again, her Twitter, at Hannah underscore Huseman. It's a great follow. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks to uh, Ann Wehunt and Corey Balanzi in the UTC Sports Information Department for helping put this podcast together. And to our producer, the always amazing Tate Johnson, I'm Chris Goforth saying so long, everybody, and go Mocs. Thanks for listening to Mocs on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.